You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, I want to talk about our sponsors, Facebook Design and Abstract. Facebook Design is a proud sponsor of Revision Path. To learn more about how the Facebook Design community is designing for human needs at unprecedented scale, please visit Facebook.design. This episode is also brought to you by Abstract, design workflow management for modern design teams. Spend less time searching for design files and tracking down feedback, and spend more time focusing on innovation and collaboration. Like Glitch but for designers, Abstract is your team's version control source of truth for design work. With Abstract, you can version sketch design files, present work, request reviews, collect feedback, and give developers direct access to all specs, all from one place. Sign your team up for a free 14-day trial today by heading over to www.abstract.com. Do you want to use your skills to serve movements for social justice? Join a unique team of designers and developers who are also activists, organizers, cultural workers, artists, and musicians, and become a part of their fast-paced, mission-driven shop. Design Action Collective, a worker-owned design and communication studio in downtown Oakland, California, is seeking applicants for the following positions. Web developer, web designer, information architect, and project manager. They're committed to providing high-quality visual communications tools to progressive, nonprofit, and grassroots activist organizations and are majority non-cis male and people of color owned. For more information, visit their site at designation.org. That's D-E-S-I-G-N-A-T-I-O-N dot O-R-G. Now for this week's interview. I'm ending out the year talking with Handel Eugene. Handel is a Haitian-American multidisciplinary artist and animator residing in Los Angeles, California. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, my name is Hendel Eugene. I'm a Haitian-American, multidisciplinary artist, animator, and designer. Um, I'm also an instructor. Uh, I dabble in public speaking from time to time, and I'm currently residing in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. Nice. And now you uh, told me, like, right before we started recording that you were were permalancing and you're working at a bunch of different companies out there. Uh, can you talk just a little bit about the types of things that you're working on? Yeah, so um, right now I'm freelancing for uh, some different companies out here, basically in Silicon Valley. Um, right now I'm currently at Apple, and and right now just obviously like you know Apple being Apple, super secretive. You know, can't talk about a whole heck of a lot what I'm currently working on, but um, I can touch on a little bit of what I've done in the past for them. You know, I'm, I'm currently working on like. You know, whenever they have a new product release or a new, uh, they have their events and such to unveil their their their, their new products or the new service and what have you. you you've got to promote those different aspects. And my job is to kind of like do you know creative advertisement, creative promotion, creative material and content to uh, to help um, unveil and roll out some of those different products. I've also worked on you know in store content as well. The on 
device content as well for uh, for for them. Not just on Apple, but also have gotten the opportunity, fortunate to have the opportunity to work at Facebook and Google, doing those same same different aspects. You know, just kind of creative advertisement and also doing some um, work on the platform internally as well. Nice. So, what is like a a typical day like for you? I know you're kind of bouncing between these different companies, although you're mostly at Apple right now. But what's a regular day like? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, I've I, I working the the motion graphics industry is kind of like more of like a specific um, area that I primarily work in, and it, it's called motion graphics. But I guess it falls under the umbrella of creative advertisement. So, yeah, like a traditional day. Let's just say, like you know, in my freelance, I, I worked in LA for for seven years. So, like back 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 then, uh, we would just. You know, a job would come in through the studio. Uh, we'd have a brief, and you know, a client's looking to promote a service or a product, or even our show, um, our new show, or even like having the opportunity to have worked on a film. You know, obviously that aspect as well. So, and our job is to uh, to service the client's needs and provide them with creative solutions, creative designs, creative advertisements to kind of help tell their story and meet their needs of whatever they're looking for in particular and visually you know like I, I, I kind of a what i like to describe myself is kind of like a visual storyteller basically taking these aspects and these elements that are on paper these kind of rough ideas and um presenting different design options um for them it could be design and animation either or or both combined and uh and delivering that to the client. So I guess a traditional day, uh, just to get into the kind of nuts and bolts, is yeah, you come in, um, you've got your brief, you've already been brief on the project, and yeah, you're just chipping away at designs. Sometimes you have pitch pitches where those are like kind of like short form, like hey, let's just kind of provide a buffet of options to the client for them to pick and choose from. And once you have, once the client you know picks a direction, then we're kind of like full steam ahead and just into production taking those that concept that that won us the uh the job and uh, uh executing it executing it in the design phase and animation phase and and ultimately delivering a product for the client so i just kind of working on those different aspects i guess again again i guess typical days i'm i guess more getting more specific i'm i'm designing a photoshop animating side of after effects or cinema 4d and um i guess those are primarily where I'm spending a lot of my time also putting like pitch decks together, writing briefs and um, um, content and material. So, yeah. Okay. Now what's kind of been the biggest challenge that you faced with, uh, with doing a lot of this, like you're working for these large companies, you're looking at, you know, briefs and pitches and stuff. What's the, the biggest challenge you face with doing all this? Yeah. Uh, the biggest, the biggest challenge I think uh, I mean, there's there's lots of different ones. I guess trying to figure out what the biggest the biggest one would be. Trying to stay fresh and creative. It's interesting. Like it's I'm fortunate. You know, we're all fortunate as as designers to an artist to you know create to do something creative for a living, which is amazing. But sometimes that can be exhausting. You know, especially if you're kind of at a rapid pace. Um, some studios kind of work faster than others and kind of like have a lot of material and content that you kind of just jump on and get pulled on mm-hmm. um, left and right. So uh, it's it's it, it sometimes it can be a little bit, little taxing 
so uh, I think one of the biggest challenges is, is to stay inspired, stay stay fresh and stay creative, you know, not to get burnt out. You know, I think burnout is a real, real uh, issue in our industry just because of the nature of what we do can be, you know, labor intensive for sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, once you're I mean, if you're working long hours, sometimes, you know, you can kind of get tunnel vision and it's kind of hard to see the big picture. So I think that's that's one of the more challenging aspects is like, you know, trying to find that balance of like, you know, working hard on something because you want it to be great. But then trying to, you know, not burn yourself out, stay inspired and, you know, especially be inspired outside of work um, is so that way what your experience, the experiences that you're having outside of work can kind of fuel and feed and form kind of your ideas um, internally at work. Because again, yeah, like working in a creative field, you're always being asked to, uh, you know, create new, fresh, creative content all the time. So um, sometimes that can be a little, a little hard at sometimes. And motion, I mean, it's something that you see anywhere from animation to product reviews to a a number of different things. So I can imagine after a while, it's something I'm just thinking to myself, like as a, as a viewer, it's something you kind of take for granted. Like you expect everything to be able to move and work well, but certainly I think modern design, uh, modern digital design, I should say features a lot more animation. I would imagine one of the challenges and, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'd also imagine one of the challenges is making sure that you stay kind of unique in a way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, what, like, let's say like 10, 15 years ago, like our industry, like to have as a kind of like for clients was a luxury, you know, it's like, if you knew how to keyframe something from point A to point B, I mean, you had a job and you were in demand, but nowadays, you know, there's just so much content and uh, the, the barrier of entry has definitely been lowered, you know, technologies and um, applications have become cheaper. Things have become more accessible. So there's been definitely as a flood of, of of material. Obviously, the way we we consume content has changed. You know, obviously with content coming straight to our phone, with like Facebook and Instagram. So yeah, there's there's a lot more. I don't want to call it noise, but there's there's a lot more content out there for us to consume, and a lot of more content that's fighting for our our attention so yeah to to stand out is definitely definitely absolutely a a a big challenge you know stand out from the crowd um because yeah you're competing against all these other some can be distracting and some can be you know really good content like like yeah you're competing against lots of other really good content as well so um uh yeah that's that's always always a challenge you know you you want to create something that's meaningful that's impactful that's engaging with the audience and that's something that we're always considering and trying to to meet and provide for the client and yeah that can be super challenging as well because that's something you got to stay on top of and understand and you know there's 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 trends there's things there's aspects that you want to try and fight against but then also there's aspects that you you need to incorporate because it's new um and it's uh it's something that we're uh yeah it's always a balance something that you're always always balancing i think it's just like and, and like you said too you touched on a little bit like you know it's one of those things that like requires a whole heck of a lot of work but people nowadays may take for granted and just kind of like because we just consume so much content nowadays so it's yeah. it's it's definitely challenging for sure one thing i'm curious about and and you can let me know how much of this you can speak on or not is uh accessibility 
So, of course, we have, like I said, like you said, there's all this content. Mm-hmm. Things are always moving and, and shifting and changing. Even with just, I think, regular web design now, there's a lot of animation that you can do with coding. Like with CSS, you can make things fade in and fade out or transition or, you know, stuff like that. How does accessibility play into your work, if, if it plays into your work at all? Now, when you say accessibility, are you saying kind of like how... Uh, readily available some of these animation techniques are to like uh, the general audience and general consumers is that is that what you're I guess I'm thinking more from the I guess from the viewer end like say for for viewers that have say visual impairments or if a lot Mm -hmm. of moving things cause motion sickness or or something like that or even you know colorblind things like that absolutely absolutely yeah so like that's you know um, I'll tell you that's something that is there's a team dedicated to that. So like this is what we're there's always like this struggle between creatives and like let's say the legal department or or so where like you know the creative wants to push this idea forward and be like okay we've got to consider this audience or we've got to consider this aspect or this might be too much for this particular audience. So um um, I'll tell you, just as a creative and an artist, we, we're always push. We're always putting the creative first and pushing the creative, and then we kind of allow those the different departments that specialize in those areas to kind of rein us in and inform us of different aspects that uh, need to be more accessible, or more readable, or uh, or adjustments and alterations that may need to be made. So there's definitely there are definitely departments that are dedicated to that, that will inform us. And we've definitely gone through revisions and made adjustments that have made our content more accessible. I think just in general, in general, as a creative, and this is kind of like one of the fun part of the uh, the, the process, especially the pre-production process, is you just start broad. You know, you start broad and just kind of like, you know, trying to find, come across something. Those happy accidents are, are, are really something that you're always searching for. And kind of like, once you start broad, then as you progress through the production pipeline, then you start to kind of chisel away and get a little bit more narrow, more narrow, a little bit more focused, trying to figure out what you can take away, what you can adjust to kind of make the the content as strong as possible, but also reach as much people as possible. So that's my angle and my my perspective on it from 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 a motion graphics standpoint. But I've, there's been a lot. I'm sure lots of people have different experiences uh with that but that's just by my my particular experience now i'm curious about that just because i know that there are i mean we've had people on the show that have like accessibility experts that have talked about this sort of thing i was actually also even thinking of most recently uh domino's pizza had like filed a case and it even went up to the supreme court around like accessibility and i think it was more so just about accessing the site but then also a lot of these sites a lot of modern sites put motion in their transactions and interactions in a lot of ways that sometimes are good sometimes they get in the way like parallax scrolling and and scroll jacking and all that sort of stuff where you're like i just want to view the page i don't need you to guide my you know decisions and that right. sort of thing so i was just curious about like how how you deal with that or if you deal with that at all. But it's interesting that it's kind of is a, 
a thing with legal that you have to sort of go back and forth with. I didn't even consider that. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, it's definitely not our area of expertise. Um, uh-huh. um, I guess for, for me as the, the content that we're creating, um, for example, for example, coming from working at a studio in LA, uh, whenever we get a brief there, there actually has been a, a lot of thought and already like a lot of development that has went into the particular idea. Um, and it's just kind of like on us to develop and execute it. And once we deliver it to the client or present a first rough draft or a first, like there's different, there's a hierarchy uh, as far as uh, a chain of command, as far as where it needs to go and different eyes have to get on it, you know, to, to kind of approve it and get sign off on it, including the legal team as 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 well so um I, it always sucked like there's something that i'm sure artists can relate who've, who've gone through this but it's always it's always sucks whenever you get close to the finish line and then that's when like legal gets their eyes on it and then they're asked for like changes that like should have been brought up like ages ago early on in mm-hmm. the process but um yeah that's that's something that's something that again from just my perspective I wonder. I, I wonder, like, if like uh, pure graphic design, like that's something that is considered more from the get go than in our in my industry as far as motion graphics and motion design. Um, I, yeah, just honestly, it's not it's not something that is at the forefront at the beginning of production, but it's something that does come up in production, and we kind of make adjustments and pivot if it's something that's you know not readable or accessible or and such and again my, most of my content that i create is you know like you know in video format and stills and such i don't delve too much into web design um the web design space but um just i just designing my own website but um yeah most of most of the stuff that you'll see that i've done is kind of like on the tv screens or um content that you may consume on your phone or as like having fortunate to have to work on a couple films as well so yeah so it's like more media and less web i guess Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned being in LA for a number of years. You started out your professional career um, at Royale, which is a creative agency there. What was your time like at Royale? How did it help prep you for the work you're doing now? Yeah, so my time there was great. I I, I absolutely, absolutely loved it. Um, loved it there, and it was it was my first job out of school. So I uh, I interned interned there for for three months, and it was it was funny because I was I was just finished up with school. I was in Florida, and I'm um, I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to convince my my parents to be like, hey, like, can I can I go over to can I, can I move to L.A. Uh, and they're like, oh, you got a job out there, and I was like. Uh, kind of a job. It's a inter- <laughs> It's an internship. You know, nothing's guaranteed, but uh, it's it's pretty promising. It's 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 if if, it, if I land it, it'd be a dream dream job for me. And so, thankfully, they were supportive, hesitantly supportive, of <laughs> me, encouraging me, supporting me to go out there. And um, yeah, when I got there, I just worked my butt off for those three months because it's like this was truly was a dream. This place I wanted to work, and. Um, um, since like the beginning of school, um, and and thankfully I was able to prove myself to them, and and I used I used my time there kind of like I I, always, I like to say this a lot to 
um, to other people. I used my time there kind of like as grad school, where you know I was still young, fresh, um, and hungry, but I I uh, uh, I still wanted to continue learning. I was like using it as like a continuing continuing education program to where I was like trying to get my hands dirty as possible, testing out. And I was also trying to find like my voice and what I really would, wanted to do because there was just like, there's so many opportunities to touch different things there. And I was fortunate, grateful. Not all internships are like this, but um, thankfully at Royale, they do a good job of grooming their interns there by like, you know, giving them lots of different assignments besides just like the grunt work or like, you know, I never had to go and go get, actually, I did have to walk a dog once. <laughs> um but uh majority of my majority of the work there i got to do was like working on some real you know portfolio quality content that was um was was great and yeah so like i and i just was trying to so i was like a sponge just trying to soak up as much information as possible or as much as possible mainly because i didn't know how long they were going to keep me and i i didn't know if i had to go find a job after this so i was like i'm gonna try and take full advantage you know, um, there's a saying like take advantage what others take for granted. I was like, I'm going to like just just work my butt off and grind as much as possible here. So that way, you know, I'm going to put my best foot forward. And if I get into ship, great. If not, at least I can have take this all these experience with me to the next opportunity. Thankfully, they they uh, they they kept me around and eventually went staff there and I worked there for five, five years. Um, wow. Yeah. And it was I seriously, up until the point that I I, I ended up leaving, I want to say it still was like grad school and continuing education. Like I was always learning, always pushing and always trying to grow and get better and and uh, uh, push my skills there. And thankfully, it was the perfect environment to allow me to to do that. I really feel like, you know, if I've achieved any type of success, it's primarily due to the foundation that, you know, that I had during my time at Royale. What were some of the projects that you worked on there? Man, I I remember when I when I was when I was not to jump too far ahead, but when I when I uh, when I left, I had to go. I went back and tracked all of the projects that I worked on during the five years I was there, and I, I I'm, I'm blanking on the exact number, but I knew I averaged about two projects a month there, and uh, some of the projects I got to work on were just for clients all across the, the spectrum. I mean, we worked for Apple, we worked for Google, um, we worked for Toyota, Starbucks, Nike, Adidas, and, uh, you know, all, like, those big brands, and of course, like, lots of local brands as well, like, you know, in the raw, and like, all kinds of different like video games ea and uh and, and the like you know like and just working on creative content for them to kind of help promote like if it's a new shoe or if it's a new apparel or it's uh you know this new promotional program at at, at starbucks that that uh that that they're rolling out for you know october whatever the case may be you know so all kinds of different content and it was it was great because you know, I, I again, I just having the opportunity to work on all those different projects just kind of got me up to speed so quickly with the with the industry and helped me learn. And thankfully, I had a, a, an amazing you know group of artists and mentors and people who supported me and and saw how hungry I was and kind of like leaned into that and fed into that and like um, gave me opportunities to uh, continue to challenge and prove myself while I was there. 
Now, as I was doing my research, the, the biggest thing that I saw that came up was that you had even done some work for Marvel, uh, most specifically for Spider-Man Homecoming. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, of course. I got the opportunity to work for uh, Marvel two actually, two times, actually, on two different occasions. Okay. And, um, and uh, the first one being for Spider-Man Homecoming in the summer no, like spring, late spring of 2017, um, I got the opportunity to to fly out to New York and work at a local studio there called Perception, which was working on the uh, the titles for Spider-Man: Homecoming. And it was always my dream. It's always my dream, right, to work on a on a on a film. Even before even before knowing that I would ever be in this industry, I was like, it'd be cool to work on a film one day. It was cool when Perception reached out saying they're interested in bringing me on board. It was for a film, but they couldn't tell me what film it was for. And I was like, I don't, I don't care. Whatever film it is, it's like, like I'm your guy. Let me know. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take the gig. And um, you know, after signing the NDA, you know, paperwork and such, and and finding out what the film was, it was like, oh wow, like this is awesome because like it's actually a film that I, I, I truly want to work on it. I truly want to see. And um, and it's cool to be able to help out and work on it. And it was cool because it's like I remember going into the studio and looking at all the storyboards that were on screen. And I remember it's like, oh, like Donald Glover's in this movie. I was like, oh, that's so that's so dope. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like just seeing like the cast and everything like that and the title. So like wh- what I did on the film, um, the work that I did on the film was the end title sequence. So it's actually the last thing you see before the credits roll. It's, it's a glorified version. <laughs> of a uh of of credits uh mm-hmm. where you see like directed by and you see starring and you see like the main actors and directors and and the the the, the high profile figures that worked on the film that were behind the film and were starring in the film they it, you'll see them in a uh, in title sequence that's pretty much just like uh, uh, uh taking the best of the film and interpreting interpreting it in a creative uh medium in this particular case for spider-man homecoming we were our task was to take basically content from the film and make a title sequence that was fell under the theme of high school art class. Okay. So, um, yeah, that was super fun because it was just like going back to your childhood and just like finding these different mediums of like clay and plasticine and like, you know, color pencils and watercolors and all these different fun mediums to just kind of get your hands dirty and just go and just kind of create traditional art, which is great. And bring that in, scan that in, stop motions, like, and, and bring it in and just incorporate it with digital assets and just animating all that together to create this really, really fun title sequence that you see at the, uh, at the end. So that was, that was a whole heck of a lot of fun. And that was the beginning of what allowed me to have the relationship with perception, so like I, I must have done a good job for them because they asked me to come back and work on a another high-profile film for them, which was Black Panther. Oh, uh, yeah, and uh, and you know, I, I have to say, I have to say, I uh, <laughs> when I was working there, I was working there, I was working on the film. They had already started doing some early development on Black Panther. They were doing some research development, especially in their like UI and UI animations and their future tech um, designs. And you know, while I was working there, I kind of like saw that they were working on this. They've been working on it for like a year now, and I was like, guys, guys, look, this Spider-Man Homecoming job, this is cool, this is cool, but man would i love to 
to to to come back and work on this um on whatever you guys are working on for for black panther i i i'd come back in a heartbeat because i was work i was working i was living in la but i was i was i flew out to new york to live temporarily um there just to work on that film and i was like i'll do it again in a heartbeat and uh thankfully they 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 did they allowed me to they 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 called me again and it's like hey we've got an assignment coming in and we'd love to uh to to have you work on it so yeah that led to the next opportunity to to work on my second film which wasn't a bad film to work on uh which was black panther nice we we did a whole episode on like the art and design of Black Panther and everything. I mean, we love I mean, love Black Panther, clearly. Yes. <laughs> Path, but no, I didn't know you worked on that movie too. That's dope. Yeah, yeah. No, that that was um yeah, that that was that was the that's that's probably the highlight of my career. I, I don't, I'm not sure I'm I'm I really I ask myself this all the time. I'm not sure what's gonna top that. I don't I don't I can't think of I don't know. I don't know. But uh <laughs> But uh, it, it was it was it was really a, a dream project to 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 have so to work on that and you know it's funny because I like you know once you reached out, once you reached out to uh, have me come speak I'd, I'd been listening to some of you know some past guests on the show and uh, Hannah Bleacher I was listening to her her episode and I was like you know it was cool to work on my aspect but I was like wow like it's have, hearing her 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 perspective on the film which was which was great like I I got to work on the film but I didn't get to hang out with you know Ryan Coogler uh, <laughs> and, and, and such and just seeing how close she was to the production of that film that was like so awe-inspiring so so um, um I just got to be like a kind of like a small fish um, um, I got to work on the first and last thing you see on the on on the film, the the prologue sequence and the end title sequence, uh, okay. which was which was a lot of fun. But um, uh, it was just so it was just so because it's like it was like reliving it all over again, you know, just hearing her her perspective and hearing um, what she she done on the film. But yeah, you know, it's, it's one thing I have to really give to Marvel is that they have really started. Uh, and I guess they still do in a way. They've trained audiences to sit through the credits uh, yeah. so you can actually, and I don't know how many people are really paying attention. I would imagine they are because they want to see the mid credit scene, the after credit scene, but you now get to see just how many people have contributed okay. to the work that you just saw. Yeah. Uh, you know, before you, you watch a movie and it's like, as soon as those first few credits, people are up out the theater. Yeah. Marvel movies, people will sit through the whole thing, and I don't, I'm assuming they're looking at all the names and being like, "Wow, there are like thousands of people that have went into this, and it wasn't just the actors on screen. Like there was a, 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 like almost a city of people that have helped to make all of this happen." I really have to give that to Marvel for, uh, for, in a in a very subversive way, making moviegoers appreciate, or at least you know, at least have some sort of. Uh, recognition that a lot of people go into the world and, and you know what you know what you want a new a newfound appreciation you'll have for <laughs> the amount of people that work on the film is everybody who came up to me because I, I my name was in the credits um which uh -huh. was which was which was super super awesome um i was i was bu <laughs> i was bummed because i uh, i didn't get to my name wasn't in the credits for the um, um spider-man homecoming uh -huh. uh, I wasn't sure if it was going to be on Black Panther. It's like if that's that's one thing I would love to have because it's like you know I can show my grandkids this and thankfully uh, 
thankfully it was and everybody that came up to me was like yeah i sat in the theaters and i had to look for your name for so like they had to go through all <laughs> it's like it was so hard and it was so long and then by the time we saw your name we it was too late it was like we, we screamed for like two seconds and your name scrolled past and it was like yeah, it was. Um, yeah, you, like, you have newfound appreciation whenever you're trying to look for a specific name in the credits. Then, then that's when it's like, like, wow, you really have like a new perspective on how many people really worked on that film. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's. I mean, the fact that it's in there is what's important. Whether you yeah. got to see it even just for a few seconds, it's there. It's there for posterity, so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> so you, uh, you mentioned Florida. That's where you grew up in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in Florida, born and raised. Born was, red. was yeah, was art and design and and all of this kind of like a big part of your childhood growing up? No. Uh oh. no, not at all. And not not like it was it it wasn't discouraged or anything like that. It wasn't anything like that. It was more of it just wasn't introduced. Yeah, you know, we we dabbled in art. I mean, everybody like it's an elective, right? And like you you take that art um yeah, I, I had some drawing skills and everything like that, but nobody ever encourages you to like, hey, you know, you've got something there. Maybe you should try and look into making like nobody even knew that you can make like a career out of uh, at least not in my circle, a circle of influence, you know. Uh-huh. And it's it's funny because my brother, my brother is I, I always saw him as the creative in the family. He he would create his own comic books and he would sketch all the time and draw. Uh, but it was just always like a hobby thing. It was just like a fun thing to do. I, I kind of got started with all this kind of by accident because, you know, I took a, I took TV production for three years in high school. And the, and the only reason I took 3D, 3D produ- uh, TV production was because my brother recommended it because he said it's an easy A and there's a couch. There's a couch in the room. <laughs> a couch. Uh, you can hang out, so it's like super chill and fun. And you just gotta, you just gotta, gotta do the morning show. And for 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 two years of the three years I took TV production, I was just like chillax. I was just hanging out, just like chilling, just like you know, enjoying enjoying the time. Easy assignments, you know, uh, and. Uh, it was fun. It was cool, but it wasn't anything that was like out like we were pressured to like, you know, stress about or anything like that. Um, but for some reason, I ask myself this all the time. For some reason, like for life of me, I can't. I don't know why. But at the end of my junior year, I had like this quarter life crisis. Can't even call it quarter life at that point. Um, where I was like, man, I'm going to college in a year, and I have no idea what I want to be. So I gotta figure out what I, I thought when you go to college, like like as soon as you're a freshman, you have to just like you have to know what you want to do and you have to decide and spend four years learning that thing. I thought that's what college was. Um uh, little little did I know. Uh and uh so that summer I was like, all right, let me I've been taking this T production thing, let me try and take this thing seriously. I, I do know a thing or two about cameras and editing and I have done a couple of assignments, so let me try and take it serious this year. And and uh, one of the one of the best things anybody's ever done in my career is my TV production teacher Joe Humphrey, which he this was like probably the the simplest gesture, but it meant the world to me. Is he he made, he saw how hungry and ambitious I was becoming to learn more about TV production. That my senior year he gave me uh, the title uh, executive producer of Terrier TV, and it's to this day still the greatest title I've ever 
been granted and probably ever will be granted because uh, I like he bestowed upon me this prestigious honor that I didn't think that I was worthy of. And I was like, executive producer, it was the first time I ever had a title of anything. It was like, I felt like, you know, it's like, it was very empowering. So I was like, I got to live up to this title that I now have. And so I, I took it, I took it even more serious. And I was kind of like leading the department and doing video editing and highlights. Long story short, I, I, I did football highlights that, that kind of got me some recognition and it eventually landed me a scholarship to, uh, to, to go to University of Central Florida. Uh, where I kind of learned and developed and found After Effects there and found that, oh, there's this whole new industry, this whole new department. I didn't know what the industry was. I thought, like, I just wanted to major in After Effects. I didn't know about motion graphics or motion design at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I started learning more and more and decided that, hey, you know, I was at University of Central Florida, which was great. I was was at UCS Sports Video. I was doing, I was kind of like a PA there and learning and learning. And I I was a cameraman. Um, for their football team, and uh, I would I would record their practices. But the only reason why I was doing that was because they also have this production department, which you know isn't a job. They don't have a job for you, but you can kind of like volunteer your hours. So my primary responsibility was to be this cameraman and like record practices and um, work your way up to like recording games and stuff like that, which I wasn't too interested in. I love sports, but I just wasn't crazy about that. But I was volunteering my time, especially at nights, going into the control room with the production room, like learning editing and like I was picking up Avid at the time. And also there was, that's where I met my first motion graphic designer. There was one in like the department and saw what he was doing. So I picked up After Effects to try and make my video highlights better. Um, and then I just it opened up this whole new world of possibilities. I was like, oh, wow, there's people that are actually doing this. There's people, oh, there's you can actually major in this. You can go to school for this. And started looking into it more and more and more and eventually um, transferred um, from University of Central Florida um, to, to, to Full Sail. So I, I think your question was, what started off with Florida, I kind of went on this long little journey of like leading up to like me getting into uh, Full Sail. But yeah, that's... Uh-huh. That's I yeah grew up in grew up in Florida and that's kind of like like how I got into the the arts and I mean Full Sail has a has a great reputation in the motion graphics and and digital design industry I think probably more so than some I think probably a lot of four year I mean Full Sail is a four year institution but you know what I mean yeah. like some traditional like uh, you know liberal arts college kinds of right. kinds of places and actually when you were at full sale that's when i i first heard about you i mentioned that i saw uh, i was a feature in graphic design right. usa it was you and a, another student i think another full sale student maybe at a different location mm-hmm. that were being profiled like they i think gordon gordon k who's the publisher had like asked a few questions about like what are you working on and and that sort of stuff. And Full Sail caught my eye, one, because of its reputation, but two, because for-profit universities kind of get like a bad rap in general, I think, with education. Right. Um, certainly we've seen in the, in the I don't know, past three or four years, places like Westwood College and, and others like that, where they've done all this marketing for, for, for students, but they're not accredited, and then they get shut down, right. and then it makes you wonder, like, well, what's the value of, like, the degree or anything like that, but for-profit education has tended to really make an impact in the design industry. Like general assembly is technically I'm using air quotes here, but it is a for-profit model where people sign up for classes and they end up sort of, it ends up becoming a bit of a feeder industry into other positions and and things like that. 
And it sounds like Full Sail really kind of helped after you went to UCF, but Full Sail is kind of what really prepped you for the work that you did at Royale. Is that right? Yeah, so for sure. Like it's it's interesting that you said that because there's there's mixed reviews, right? There's there's people and it's and it's all just dependent on your experience there. And uh, I, I've had people who who would wouldn't recommend Full Sail to anybody, and then there's there's people who like me who had a, a great experience um, there. And I think it's largely due to the individual, you know. Like I actually, truthfully, honestly, I I. Uh, I would have a hard time recommending Full Sail to anybody, not because of the institution, because it more so it's about the individual. Like I, like art school just in general is is expensive, you know, and and yeah. um and I I I highly encourage anybody who's looking into it to make sure that you're at the right point in your 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 life, your uh, to to really be committed to something that's gonna really affect you for the rest of 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 your life, because like I think one of the the most tragic things is like having a friend who was a classmate of mine's who's not in the industry. He's not even doing anything remotely close to, you know, motion graphics, motion design and such, because he like, you don't want to go to school to figure out what you art school to figure out what you want to do. Like that's, that's a, a formula for disaster, you know, like, uh-huh. You wanna you wanna make sure that I think also too like a big thing is maturity you know like you wanna make sure that when you wait if you decide to go to full sale or any art in, institution that um you're prepared to be fully committed to it and you've got uh like the more the more experience you have coming in the better that was probably my competitive advantage when I was there and why I was able to maximize my time at full sale is because um, I came in and I already, I already knew the tools. I think this is, yeah. if there's one advice I would give to, to anybody is don't go to art school to learn the tools. You can learn that anywhere. You can learn that online. You can learn, there's so many resources on, uh, online to, uh, to help you learn the tools. So, mm-hmm. so, so don't go to full I, because I knew the tools. I was already ahead, and so like I was able to just focus on just creating projects and portfolio quality work. Um, as soon as I got I got into the door, you know, I was just like, you know, I didn't need to, I didn't the the beginning classes were that 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 they had you take. I didn't, I, I I was just spending the whole time just working and designing and animating. Uh, um, I didn't have to go through the hurdles of like you know doing the tutorials and any other. So. Um, um, a, a large part of it, yeah, for sure, the institution provided me with so many resources and 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 was actually gave me access to uh, Jason Whitmore and Brian Holman, who are the owners at Royale. Jason Whitmore is an alum of Full Sail, and he comes back to speak um, every so often to students at Full Sail. And um, Full Sail gave me access to to him. I was it was, it was I was fortunate to be able to show my work to him in a kind of like a closed room with a couple other students that were doing good work and we got to present our work to him and uh he eventually recruited me out there to come and gave me gave me an internship opportunity which really just kind of jump-started my whole career so um from my personal experience it was it was it was great because uh, and i and i went through the uh, accelerator program now they have the four-year institution uh program but like i went through the accelerated program where it was 21 months just under two years, and wow. yeah, and you uh, you go to class five days a week, eight hours a day, and um, it was uh, it was a uh, it was intense. It was almost like a it's like boot camp um, almost. And again, that's why I say I was like I I couldn't I I can't recommend that to everybody because everybody isn't, doesn't isn't used to operating on those conditions, and everybody isn't mature enough to 
fully take advantage of those, those that particular the, that aspect of it. Uh, but it was great for me because it just got me up to speed. Like I was, I was already, I knew I had already done two years at, at, at University of Central Florida, so like I already had like uh, I guess uh, unofficial associates um, uh, as far as just having experience um, in my mm-hmm. industry and having gone through those, you know, early freshman, sophomore like hurdles or, or what have you. So, so as soon as I got to art school, which is where really where I wanted to go. Um, I, uh, I just, I just hit the ground, ground running. And I mean, now you've done work for Marvel, you've done, you're doing work for Apple and Facebook and Google. So it's all, it's all really paid off. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really has, you know, it's funny because I didn't have anyone, you know, growing up that encouraged me to get get into the arts. But when I, when I did want to, you know, transfer from, you know, accredited university, you know, like UCF University of Central Florida to this kind of like what some may consider this trade school um, to pursue the arts, there was definitely some pushback. You know, there was definitely some people who discouraged me from 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 doing that. And there are a lot of people like it's it's interesting to, to hear you say that, you know, you've you've heard some positive reviews, but there's definitely a lot of people, a lot of naysayers who who told me uh, the opposite, you know, who gave me a lot of negative feedback. It's like, oh, I got a cousin that went there and he just wasted a whole lot of money. He's like, don't go there, this, that, yeah. and the other. And, um, and and that's why I say it's 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 truly, truly dependent on the individual. So I, 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 went, yeah. I, I went in there a bit, like, hesitant because I was, not hesitant, but, like, fearful of failure. Like, I, I, like I heard, I'd heard stories of people coming here and having failed, and I kind of used it as fuel to my fire to ensure and make sure that I work my tail off to be as to to as much as possible, you know, somewhat ensure somewhat some success during my time here. So like I was like, if if that means me being in the top ten percent of my class, then that's the that's where I need to be for me to be able to to get to where I want I want to go. So yeah, like there was getting getting there definitely was a struggle and and like I, I come from um, I'm a Haitian Haitian American, and yeah. I come from uh, you know a Haitian culture, uh, immigrant culture, where you know both my parents were uh, born and raised in Haiti. Uh, my grandma, my grandma, uh, you know she uh, she had eight kids, and she uh, she she came to America first, and she she sent for her kids one by one um, to come to the U.S. and and. Uh, no, I just I share that because you know like you've got this very strong female figure in our family, and you've got this hard work ethic that's just embedded and rooted in our culture, and you know and nobody nobody knows about you know somebody who's successful in the arts, and mm-hmm. you tell them that you want to go pursue that, it's like you know it it's really challenging and tough because. You you want to make you want to make your family proud. You want to make your parents proud, and and you want to, you know, do something that they will respect and will so support you in. And the fact that nobody knows somebody who's successful, there was a lot of pushback on that because it's like they're you know you're you're hesitant to, you know, give your well wishes to something like that because yeah, it's just it's just an exposure thing and just like. Like even myself, like for example, like for myself, like I like if I have a cousin who's like 
who wants to go into the music industry, like I, I I'll be honest, like I'll have, I'll, there'll be some cause for pause, some, some hesitation to like encourage them to pursue that at first, uh-huh. you know, because he's like, right, well, like, yeah, music industry is great. It's a creative field, but like, you know, you, you also got, you want to be aware and mindful and you want to get, you got to pay your bills and do this, that, or the other. Um, you obviously, you'd love to see them be successful, but also so what are the numbers? What are the statistics? This, that, and the other. And, yeah. um, um, and it, it's all, and for me, for my family, it all came from a good place. It was just a place of concern, you know, like, and so it took me a while to eventually get to, 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 to full slot because I, I, I needed my parents blessing because I, I respect them too much to just like go rogue and just go do my own things. Like, I don't care what, like I, I, I respect and admire my, my family and my parents' opinion. Thankfully, like I was able to like gather enough evidence. I think it just pushed me even further. Honestly, it's like, it's like, I, I wanted to, I wanted to make my parents proud and I wanted to prove to them that, Hey, like your son's doing this and, 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 and he's going to be all right. You know, like I'm, I'm going to be able to put food. Like there's this, there's the whole broke artist misconception that like mm-hmm. it's, it's like prevalent in, in, in society. And I wanted to, I, it forced me to just like do as much research as possible and be like, Oh, look, there's this person over here who's doing it. And there's, Oh, this person, you can actually make, you can actually, you know, make a living doing it over here. It's like, Oh, I talked to this person on the phone. He's doing it this, that, and the other. I think it forced me to do as much due diligence as possible to ensure that the decision that I was making, uh, was going to, uh, to, to, to pay off. And having had all that to all those, having to go through all those hurdles and those uncomfortable conversations and, and trying to convince People that you know, the, the thing that I'm doing, I really believe in, and I'm gonna be successful at. When I got to full self in college, like I just had like this burning desire to like make sure that, yeah, there's some risk involved, but I'm betting on myself, you know, and I want to make yeah. sure that that bet pays off as much as possible. So I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do to 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 make it during my time here so that meant like working harder than the next person you know like and you i, I think you've, you've heard this before you know like like just being an african-american in general right like you so like there's 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 it's been said multiple times you got to work you know twice as much to get twice as hard to get half as much you know like mm-hmm. that's something that's 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 like there's not as many african-americans in my industry and something that you know i'm definitely cognizant of and it's something that i i i was aware of and i i use that as extra incentive to be like all right like you know but maybe the odds are in my favor but i need to if i've got a chance then i've got to make those odds work for me um as much as possible and that's why i just like i just worked as hard as i can i'm going on a long tangent here but no 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 it's good to hear that i mean because I think certainly, and I was, you know, I was really going to ask this probably a little bit later on about kind of where that ambition comes from. But I mean, I think being able to speak on it from, like you said, the perspective of one, not really being exposed to it that much growing up and it sort of being more of a hobby, but then also having, you know, your family that kind of wants you to go into something that's more, more stable because, you know, motion graphics or design or whatever you were calling it back then wasn't really something they could see as being successful so it was like you had to prove it to them in a way but you also had to prove it to yourself yeah yeah no that's seriously i i had to (laughs) i was telling yeah i was telling my mom and dad don't worry i'm gonna be all right yeah without having done it yet it's like i don't know for sure if like i don't know what the future holds and i'm doing i'm taking a big risk here and so like like all those different 
aspects, and I'm thankful I learned this lesson early on. You can use that to prevent you from pursuing something, or you can use that as you know a driving force, you know, as fuel to push you further, you know. Like, and, and thankfully, I chose the route of allowing that to push me to go above and beyond uh, during my time there. So, what is your opinion about? I guess the uh, calling it animation, I guess it was kind of just put a big tied in a big bow, but what is your kind of opinion about diversity in the industry? Like, what do you want to see more of in your industry? Yeah. Um, I mean, this, this, this goes without saying, but definitely more black representation in general, you know, um, especially, especially like at the decision-making level, I've had to navigate through this, this industry and this field being the only 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 black guy in a black individual in 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 my class for example or working at a studio or freelancing at a place or a section being the only um black individual in the in in the room and and when you do come across those it's so it's so funny because when you do come across those those individuals that look like you they're just like the most talented people i know and 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 and, and it's like man there should just be more of that around and we need to uh, so that's definitely something that i'd love to be i love to see more of and i'll tell i'll tell you it's um um, I was listening to one of the previous podcasts, and I, I'm not—I can't remember who I was listening to, but there was something that you said that really stuck with me. And I'm, 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 this is why I'm like really loving the work that you're doing. Is that you know you'll reach out to some people, and maybe they'll tell you, "No, I'm not. I'm not in a position to come on the podcast yet," or "No, mm-hmm. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm maybe not as accomplished, or maybe not as." successful or maybe i'm um you know whatever the case may be and they'll put these barriers on themselves um and i it's i i love that you say like no like that doesn't matter like like you don't you don't care like if, if you're you want to hear from people from all different aspects and all different levels and all different areas in their in their life and i love that because that's like truthfully honestly had you asked me i don't know two years ago or something like that to come on this podcast, I would have said the same thing. Um, and, oh. and it's, it's because it's something that I've, I've, I'm learning more and more now that, uh, like just in general, I think it's, it's so true because you don't see as many people that look like you. So therefore you, you're more susceptible to like imposter syndrome, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, like, like if you're the only one here you wonder if you even belong you know and that's something that i had to struggle with and had to you know deal with it's it's one of the reasons why like my my voice i think i was i was very shy very timid very um not very vocal at all but um you know thankfully like that hard work and ambition I had in school that never left me. When I got into the industry, I just continued working hard, working hard, um, and thankfully my work started to get noticed and my work started speaking for me because I wasn't like, you know, screaming it from the the hilltops or hey, look at me, I wasn't doing any of that, but I was sharing my work, posting my work, um, and just doing good work started and having that start to travel and you know people were liking my work, like and it was just so. It was just so humbling because more people started reaching out to me, especially people that look like me and African-Americans, 
and we're saying, hey, I'm rooting for you, man. Like, I'm loving the work that you're doing. Keep up the good work. And it, it, before, it was just like, you know, these are just some compliments and like, all right, that's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. You know, this, that, and the other. Um, but yeah. it just started coming. It just The more my work started getting more visible, more people started reaching out. It's like, I love seeing what you're doing. I love seeing that you're doing this, that, and the other. And it's just like, I just got back. I just got back from speaking at a pretty big conference, one of the bigger conferences. Um my personal favorite conference is called Blindfest, and um, I got asked to speak this year and come on stage. And man, I can't tell you the reception that I got after after giving a talk on stage uh, from the people in the industry that felt underrepresented. And it was like they just love seeing you up there. So what I what I'm starting to do more of, and I'm not perfect at this, but what I'm starting to do more of is embracing that platform. And embracing that voice that I have because I can use that and I can use that to encourage and inspire and represent because you don't they don't hear from us that often, you know, like and so when they do, I want to make sure that we represent I represent myself and others and represent the best of what we can be and what we and so now I'm more embracing that 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 aspect because naturally I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm I don't like attention, I don't like I don't like um you know, I don't. I don't want to be the poster boy. Like, you know, anything like that. Like, I feel like that's a lot of pressure. Um, yeah. um, but, but I'm learning more and more, especially hearing other people's testimonies and people reaching out to me, sending me emails out of the blue, just like, hey, I just wanted to hear about your experience navigating through this space because just, um, just being as 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 African American in this industry, I wonder if you're feeling this this particular way because it's definitely how I'm feeling and I'm wondering if I'm the only one. I was like, no, man, I'm going through the same, I've gone through the same thing, going through, still going through the same thing. And so, um, um, I appreciate again, what you're doing with this podcast because it's giving a voice to individuals and making, making it like, you know, make, letting, letting it know us know that it's possible and that we're out there and we can be successful, um, in design and in this industry and that we're all going through a lot of the same things and experience a lot of the same things. So as I've grown into my career, I've realized that, you know, I'm not just doing this for me, you know, but I'm doing this for people like me, you know? Um, and, uh, uh, and that's just something that I've been embracing a whole heck of a lot more as I continue to progress. So I, 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 if there's an opportunity for me to speak and voice and, and speak out, like I no longer shy away from that, you know, because even though that is my nature and that's my tendency, I no longer shy away from that because if I can use my voice to, again, reach somebody else, encourage somebody else to pursue the arts or to step up to the plate or or or, or strive for greatness, then then I almost feel obligated to, to, to do so, you know, because it's like, like this is this is this is the best work that I can do is having the impact on others and influencing others, especially people that look like me, to to uh, to strive for greatness and to continue pushing forward. Wow, that's powerful to hear, man. I mean, it's it's interesting, like you mentioned, because to I would imagine like a lot of the work that you do, you are sort of like you know behind the scenes as it as it relates to the work that you do, the work kind of does have to speak for itself. And I, I get those same kind of emails too, you know, where people just reach out and it's a, it's an interesting vantage point because sometimes they'll look at you as if you've made it, but you're also still navigating through the industry because absolutely, as your profile changes or as the work gets out there more, it puts you in different 
rooms and different places and different scenarios, and you're still trying to navigate all of that. It's a it's a really interesting uh, kind of paradox yeah. in a way. Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. It, it's 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 interesting because just being just being in some of those rooms where you're like the only one representing, you know, your back, your background, you know, that's, that's the, and especially like in those decision-making rooms, especially in those, those, those high profile creative environments, those and, and such, and having the confidence to speak up, you know, especially in those rooms, it's like, that's not, that's, that's something that's like, I, I had to learn to do, you know, um, yeah. I had to, uh, I was just speaking at Benfest, I was, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, a good friend of mine who's also African-American, he's like, man, where do you get that confidence from to go up there on this stage? And it's just so ironic and funny to hear her say that to me because I'm I'm not confident, you know? It's like, this is something, this is something that I had to truly work on, work really hard on and break out of my shell and, 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 and really kind of overcome that fear of, of, of of that and i think it's something yeah like you said always you're always working on and as as you progress through your career it's just like you know it's it's, it's always a struggle and a challenge and and i, I think I, like i said we're more susceptible to the imposter syndrome just because of how under underrepresented we can be so, um mm-hmm. and it's it's not even imposter syndrome like there's real barriers there's real gatekeepers who want to prevent you from getting to where you go. So having to now those, yeah. those hurdles is a real, real, real struggle struggle. Like there's been like subtle slights that I've experienced for sure, where there's like rooms that I, I felt like I, I should have been in or, or meetings that I felt like I should have been in or like, especially like client facing um, meetings where I was like, I felt like I, I could bring a real strong perspective and um, an outlook towards the particular project at hand where that didn't happen. So, um, yeah. Um, and, and again, like I said earlier, like I think there's two things, there's two responses to that. Like you can either use that to kind of draw further into your shell, draw back further into your shell and, and, and lower your confidence, or you can use that as fuel to your fire and use that as like, uh, I wasn't asked to be in this particular, this room, then, then you're, you're passing up on an opportunity that could make you better. I'm going to go and take, continue to work on me and continue to develop myself to make my skills and my talents and, uh, undeniable, um, where I go, you know? So, so it, it just pushes, for me, it just pushes me further to, I, I, I don't want to, I'm not looking for, like, I'm not looking, I don't have a vendetta. I'm not looking to, like, prove anybody wrong. I'm trying to prove myself right, you know, because I, I know what I, I'm capable of. I know my potential, and I, I, I'm, I'm always constantly stri- um, start, um, trying to strive for that and reach that and uh, wherever, wherever, wherever I go. So it's, it's just more fuel to my fire for me. What does success look like for you now? <laughs> I've got somewhat of a controversial response to that. It's, it's not really controversial, just more so a topic that's not touched talked about. But like for me in my career, you know, I'm fortunate. I've gotten the opportunity to work on some great projects, and I've got to work on opportunity to work on some high profile projects, uh, films and such. Got to work for high profile clients uh, and such. And now I, I want to, for me. And I'm not here by any means, but I I want to make a lot of money. Right. Um, okay. And that sounds 
That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds controversial, but the reason being isn't because I desire money in and of itself. That's not the reason. I want to use money. I want to use the money I earn to buy back my time. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, we trade our time for money, right? True. In the form of a job, right? We trade our time for money, but yet, uh, what's what's more valuable, right? Time or money? Like most people would say, your time is more valuable than money, right? And so, if if time is your most valuable resource, right? So, then the more money you have, the more time you can buy back in your day, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to I want to spend more time with my family, for for instance, you know, I want to spend more time pursuing creative endeavors that are important to me. And right now, my most precious resource I have is uh, is being allocated to a job which is the norm, right? That's the norm of society. But I'm working hard to try and create an uh, alternative lifestyle that kind of circumvents the traditional sim- uh, system that we, that we have with like, you know, with the traditional job and such. So, um, and, and I say that, and I wanted to, I wanted to, I say that because, you know, we make money this taboo subject, right? Like, like this, this, but it's a topic of discussion we need to have more of, and we need more talk, more need to talk about, especially just like in just our culture in general, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Again, I don't value money in and of itself. Money is just a tool. It's a resource we can use to buy or trade for something of greater value, right? So yeah, I'm just working really hard to find, trying to find creative ways, you know, of like, you know, trading like, you know, passive income, residual income, trying to find these different revenue models that allow me to buy back my uh, my time, so that way I can pursue, you know, you know, projects that I that are important to me without having money being an an, an issue. So I, I want to talk about that and have that discussion because you know, a lot of people may not realize that that's an option. You know, I think people. Just only may only consider just having a job being the only way, you know, to really navigate through life. But I, I, I've learned and I've seen and observed different alternatives, you know. So um, uh, I'm, I'm working, striving again, not there yet by any means, but um, but I'm working, striving to try and get to that, to that, to that point. I've, I, like, I've made a step in the right direction already, currently, right? Like for example, I've always said. And this is just me personally and my my personal goal. I've always said, like, you know, I don't want to like I don't want to worry about how many vacation days I have left, you know, and, mm. you know, like that's something that's been, always been a goal of mine. And thankfully, I've actually achieved that goal somewhat um, by being freelance now and having put it like now the ball kind of is in my court. Um, to where I can take the, as much time as I want off. I I feel that though, obviously I feel that financially, but I've kind of taken a step in the right direction and creating a career that is in enough of a demand to be able to take time off and kind of turn down work. Um, so that way I can kind of like, you know, pursue some of the things that I, 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 I want to pursue that are important to me and make the impact that I want to have, spend more time with my family. You know, I've got a, a beautiful wife, uh, a young daughter and a young son. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, this industry at times can be, you know, labor intensive, could be long hours. And I mean, although it's incredibly rewarding and I, I do enjoy it. When you're working a job, you're kind of like building somebody else's dream, you know, up. you're working mm-hmm, hard mm-hmm. to to create a a business and a machine that's a, a for-profit machine that, that that's building up their dreams. And I want to take that time and devote it towards something that I truly, truly believe in and, and want to work on and pursue um, 
and 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 build up my own dreams and my own business and my own empire and such so that's something that like i've been thinking of more and more so lately you know there was in the past in the past you know there were certain priorities that are important to me that maybe aren't as important to me now and so uh that's something that like you know that's something that i'm uh currently navigating and currently trying to to solve and like i said i've made some steps in the right direction hopefully in the near future i'll be able to kind of have that autonomy to be able to uh to do that i mean speaking of your your wife and and your kids like how do you balance all of that like while still striving to do great work and and staying relevant and everything in your career yeah absolutely for sure it's 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 an adjustment for sure it's a it's a it's a major adjustment you know it's funny it's funny how how much time we we take for granted and how much time was a luxury for me and not realizing it you know um until you have until you have kids and you know, I said that very same mm-hmm. thing when I had one kid, and I was like, man, like, man, I, man, I took all that time, extra time, I took that all for granted. But then when I had two kids, I said it over again. I was like, man, I took when I had one kid, I was like, I was taking all that extra time for granted, man. Like, it's like even, <laughs> even less time now. So, um, yeah, well, it's something that is a major adjustment, and it's one of those things. Like, I've constantly, constantly trying to learn about how I can use this precious asset as uh, effectively and efficiently as possible so that way I can maximize when I do have those times to kind of pursue things I can maximize that time so like yeah like there there'll be things that I've I have to decide you know what's a priority you know like there's a saying that goes don't major in the minor things you know like there's some minor things in my life that I've had to uh be like this isn't worth the time commitment like i have yeah. my time is is a valuable resource and i have less of it now so i can't allocate it towards some of these other things that are minor things maybe there's some leisurely stuff that like weren't of incredible uh, importance to me and my family so that i i may no longer need to uh to indulge in you know um and so like yeah i'm 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 being more and more strict and more tenacious about the different things that I allow to consume my time now because because mm-hmm. it's becoming uh, because again it, my time is so 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 valuable like even like down to every little aspect you know like before like before I felt the need to respond back to every email that came into my inbox you know and I was realizing how much time that was being that was taking away from from my like, there's just small little things in my life that I'm like like all right is this is this a, a valuable use of my time right now and so um now I don't feel bad for responding back to somebody like 2 weeks later you know because that sounds terrible but that it's the truth <laughs> mm-hmm. because because I can't respond back to every single email or every single inquiry or um right right away um I'll uh I'll uh I'm not that bad. I'm not two weeks, maybe a week, but, um, <laughs> no, but like, I just, just being very like, you know, I'll, I, 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 without touching on too many sensitive topics, but like social media is another aspect that I'm like trying to curve as well. And like, 
um, um, all these other different aspects of of that can dist- even distractions that can utilize your time that you can be otherwise using product productively because I I I want my family to be a priority for sure like it's my number one priority and I don't want to compromise on that by any means but also too I've worked really hard to get to this point in my career and I don't want to let that subside you know and I want to continue there's there's like I feel like the the older I get the more I progress in my career the 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 more ideas and more I feel like I have more ideas now that I want to pursue than, than ever. And I, I want to, these are ideas that I want to pursue. And I feel like they would have a major impact. And like, I want to work on work that, you know, is greater than me and transcends me and travels further than, than, than anything I've, I've, I've done before. So, yeah, you want to be able to, you know, enjoy the, the fruits of your labor. You work hard. You want to be able to, Absolutely. at the end of the day, be able to kind of leave work at work. Yeah. And then, you know, enjoy your family, enjoy your free time. Yeah. So we're at the end of the year, also the end of a decade. When you look, let's say the next five years, it'll be 2025 before you know it really. Uh, you sort of mentioned already the kind of the, the sort of feeling that you want to have. But what sort of projects do you think you'd want to be working on? Like, where do you see yourself in the future? Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, hopefully you know, in five, five, 10 years or so, like, you know, um, my career path has led to the opportunity for me to pick and choose the type of jobs that I want to work on without, I touched on this a little bit earlier, but without, without money really being an issue, you know, um, hopefully I'm a point in my career where I have that mm-hmm. autonomy that allows me to be able to take initiative and de- develop projects that are, that are important to me. Um, and using using my skills and God given talent for 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 good, you know, um, for social issues, for um, uh, working on projects that are bigger bigger than me and make an impact and are, are meaningful. Because like it's 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 one of those things like in my industry, which I'm incredibly grateful, you know, to be able to earn an income and work for some amazing clients. But like maybe a pessimistic alternative viewpoint of what it is that we do is that we're, we're kind of glorifying products um, or services uh, and selling to consumers things that they, they might ne- not necessarily need, you know? And so like, if anything, I want to kind of like offset some of that by just working on projects that are meaningful, that are impactful, that are informative, that are educational and have a purpose and, you know, advocating change and, and, and raising awareness on, 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 on particular projects. So, and and that's not even five, 10, that's actually stuff that I'm working on now, honestly, that I'm trying to, uh, uh, to pursue, uh, more of, and uh, there's always the whole money versus and time issue aspect of it, you know. Um, whenever you're you're pursuing those jobs that necessarily aren't for profit, but they're they're for the the, the good of society, mm-hmm. you know. So like, those are the projects that are like incredibly interesting to me and projects that I want to uh, pursue because, you know, it's 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 interesting because uh, as an artist. Um, as an artist, we're uniquely positioned to speak a language that uh, that that the generation today speaks. We we speak it fluently, right? And and 
the language that the generation today consumes. Mm-hmm. And there's a real power in that. And to quote Uncle Ben here, to be like super cheesy, but with, with great power comes great responsibility. Like there's <laughs> like if you think about it, like just think about how powerful just you know, you think about Cambridge Analytica and how powerful just having access to those resources and influencing individuals to swing an election. That's like, that's crazy insane. And to think that that's how much power you can have just by, you know, advertising to to people like, well, what if we use that power for good mm-hmm. to to advertise, you know, and promote and push and encourage ideas that that need to be heard. So um, that's that's something that I've been thinking of more and more lately. And what I'm trying to uh, pursue more of is just just uh, pursuing those projects that are 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 more meaningful and using my talents for uh, for uh, and designs for good. Well, just to you know, kind of wrap things up here. Where can our audience find out? more about you and your work and everything online yeah absolutely uh my website is hindaleugene.com and uh, you can find all my socials on there and all my work and uh everything that it is that i that i do and uh yeah i just want to say too like anybody has any questions about we didn't we didn't uh go into all the different things millions of things that i i, I could have talked about but like <laughs> I, I guess the biggest thing i wanted to leave too with your viewers if there's any questions about navigating this industry like motion graphics motion design even the creative industry just in general just like yeah reach reach out reach out to me my email's on my, my website and you can reach out at any time and and um i'd love to continue like discussing this further with with anybody who's, who's interested in and and pursuing this this industry and just in general Sounds good. Well, Handel, Eugene, I mean, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. One, not just, you know, for sharing about the work that you're doing with Apple and other com- and companies, as, as well as the work that you've done with, with Marvel and in films and everything. But really just, I mean, your story and your drive, I think, are something which is kind of the core of what Revision Path is about uh, as it relates mm-hmm. to showing that there are people that are in you know the creative industry that have the same passion and verve and work ethic to really create great things they just don't necessarily always get recognized and so it's important to be able to not only provide like a platform for them to shine but also you know as you alluded to you know just a few minutes ago to find ways to use those skills to kind of you know better the world around us like a lot of the work that I think we do as as digital creatives can be very ephemeral, you know, like you design something really great and then a year or two later it's been phased out for whatever the next thing is. And then you wonder, I put so much time and energy and effort into this thing that now is no longer existing. So how do you use your skills for something that can be more impactful? And I think just your story and everything that you've had to share is something that is a great thing for us to end out the year on. So I'm, I mean, brother, I really want to see where you are in five years because like i told you i've been following you since full sale um, oh, thank you so proud of the work you're doing i really just want to see where you take it in the future so thank you so much for coming on the show i appreciate it 
Thank you, man. Appreciate it. And thank you for all the work that you're doing. Seriously, once I found your podcast, I immediately became a better person, a more informed person, and I learned so, so much just from hearing from you and hearing from the uh, the guests that you've had on the, the podcast. I, I seriously, I recommend it to anybody that I come across um, that's dealing with the same issues that, that we're dealing with. And I just can't thank you enough for having done over 300 episodes um, interviewing so many talented and amazing creatives in the industry and just making making us more visible and making us you know making more people aware of our potential and and what we can strive for and what we can do seriously thank you Thoughts of love are in and that's it for this week big thanks to Handel Eugene and thanks to you for listening you can find out more about Handel and his work through the links in the show notes at glitch.com forward slash revision path. And of course, thanks to both Facebook Design and Abstract. Facebook Design is a proud sponsor of Revision Path. To learn more about how the Facebook Design community is designing for human needs at unprecedented scale, please visit facebook.design. This episode is also brought to you by Abstract, design workflow management for modern design teams. Spend less time searching for design files and tracking down feedback, and spend more time focusing on innovation and collaboration. Like Glitch but for designers, Abstract is your team's version control source of truth for design work. With Abstract, you can version sketch design files, present work, request reviews, collect feedback, and give developers direct access to all specs all from one place. Sign your team up for a free 14-day trial today by heading over to www.abstract.com. Revision Path is a Glitch Media Network podcast and is produced by Maurice Cherry and edited by Brittany Brown. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre, with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. We're also powered by Simplecast, the easiest way for podcasters to publish and distribute audio on the internet. Make sure you check the show notes for a link to sign up for a 14-day free trial. And if you like this episode, then please let more people know about it by leaving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It takes about a minute or so to do, but it really helps spread the word about Revision Path everywhere. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you find your favorite shows. And make sure you're following us on social media as well. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for Revision Path. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.